sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? I'm Sean Sears, and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. On today's episode, the Cubs win a game they absolutely needed to on Monday, but lose 3-5 against the Cardinals this Labor Day weekend. We'll recap the weekend series and preview Tuesday night's game against the Reds. The Cubs finish up their final series with Cincinnati, a three-game set at Chicago. So we'll talk about that here in the second segment, as well as hit on a couple news bolts from the long weekend. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to CubsInsider to read about how the Cubs claimed Cub killer Billy Hamm Hamilton off waivers from the Mets and added infielder uh, Ildimero Vargas to the active roster. That and more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Locked On Cubs. You can get Locked On Cubs in whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On Cubs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockdownCubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, as I talk about the top of the show, the Cubs dropped two or three against the Cardinals. Um, luckily, we're able to win that crucial game Monday to still hold a two-and-a-half game lead over this, the Cardinals. Had they lost, it would have been just a half game. So two-and-a-half looks a lot better than a half game. So uh, you take what you can. Really, the difference in this weekend was Darvish and Hendricks. Darvish pitched on Friday. The Cubs win 4-1. to win. Hendricks pitches on Monday. The Cubs win 5-1. to one. Um, Over the weekend, though, the pitching was not great. And the Cubs won a collective 2-for-20 with the runners in scoring position on Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, Saturday, the doubleheader. Sunday, not-so-great outing. Um, that's really what it comes down to. The, the, the pitching was not fantastic. You talk about John Lester's very poor outing. Uh, he went out there once again and just kind of got lit up. Uh, three and a third innings of work on Sunday. He allowed six hits, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, two home runs, though the year eight, 580. That's not going to cut it. Uh, Josh Osage followed it behind him with two more runs, just an inning or third of an inning of work. Rowan Wick had to come in and clean up things afterwards. This is just a frustrating game Sunday. The Cubs had to use a lot of their bullpen after a, essentially <laughs> two bullpen games the day before. Uh, Edward Elzele pitched pretty well. Um, he threw 78 pitches, though, in three, two and a third innings of work. A lot of two hits, two earned runs, five walks. That's really the killer in four strikeouts. Elzele wasn't just – he was just kind of not getting some calls, but he also had a couple breaking balls that just looked really good but just couldn't break in the zone. Cardinals weren't necessarily chasing, and he ran into some issues early on with Tommy Edmond and, and, and Colton Wong at the top of the lineup just kind of – 
fighting their way to get on base, making things difficult, especially I think it was the top of the third. Both Wong and Edmonds singled into left field, just going the other way. He was able to get Goldsmith to strike out, uh, but then walked Brad Wong to, or Brad Miller to load the bases up. Paul DeYoung hit a ground out. The Cubs were unable to turn the double play, though. So a run scores. They walked DeYoung, and then Tommy Edmond walked, or uh, excuse me, Tommy Edmond scored after Matt Carpenter walked on three straight pitches. Um, after he walked Yadier Molina on four straight pitches, excuse me, four straight, not three. He need four to walk. Um, but it just kind of fell apart there. Tapera is able to come in and get a line out. He's done after he, he finishes up that inning, comes in for the fourth, gets beat around a little bit as well, too. Um, it was The pitching was not great this week. And you look at uh, Colin Ray and Dwayne Underwood teaming up for three innings along with Tyson Miller. Und- or Ray didn't look bad necessarily in two innings. He allowed five hits, four earned runs. The two home runs are what really killed him. It's the two walks, too. It, if he hadn't issued some of those walks, the runners on base probably wouldn't have been there. You'd probably give up two total shots. You could live with that. Um, but the Cubs offense just hasn't been able to do anything. They have to score one run in the... <laughs> The second doubleheader and a 5-1 loss uh, to the Cardinals. A very strange line of coming into this, obviously. A lot of games being played, but it did not feel like the Cardinals were the team that had been playing games nonstop up until Labor Day. Um, it definitely looked like the Cubs were just not the team that was there. Uh, I, I I, really don't know what to make of all this. Obviously, Bryant and Baez both have negative wars on the season. Alibi for Brian, obviously being hurt a little bit, but even when healthy, hasn't quite been great. Uh, Javi Baez still going up there, looking like he's just guessing where those pitches are coming and not reacting. Has gotten a little bit better. I, I think that we're we're diving too far into the numbers. Obviously, a shortened season, it doesn't mean much. But what we're seeing, and especially the results from Saturday and Sunday, it's it's very clear the Cubs when runners are on base are, are really pressing, and teams are doing a really good job of not giving them pitches to drive. The Cubs have pretty much exclusively scored home runs or runs off of home runs this year. So if teams are giving them pitches to drive, it doesn't feel like they're taking those pitches and going the other way as consistently as they should. Sometimes it feels like with two stri- or two outs, the Cubs change their approach throughout the lineup, and it feels like sometimes that should have been the approach to begin with. Now, you look at what happened against Adam Wainwright, who threw a lot of strikes, who threw a lot of breaking balls, a lot of pitches that were landing in the bottom half of the strike zone. He was forcing the Cubs to swing at their at his pitches, and he's a tough guy to square up and has been historically forever against the Cubs. So even though the Cubs did threaten a few times the runners on base, I think they got the bases loaded twice against Wainwright, just couldn't put the ball in play and score more runs. So they get the two runs, which was really nice against Wainwright in that first uh, start or first game of the doubleheader on Saturday from a nice, I think it was a single from Contreras that scored uh I, I think it was Schwarber and maybe Hap. Some of the people were on base. That's all I know. Drove in two runs, but the Cubs still had guys in scoring position after that. They should have still tacked on more runs, and they just don't do that. It feels like they get the runs they absolutely need sometimes, but they don't always get all of those runs. Those big innings haven't quite come as often as they did early on at the beginning of the season. And it just comes down to a lot of these guys are slumping. Anthony Rizzo was talking about an article from The Athletic uh, saying, you know, there's just it's hard not to look at the numbers and, and, and you know, see them and be disappointed. You know, you're human, I think was the quote from, from Anthony Rizzo. And yeah, obviously things aren't quite working. It's tough to make these changes so quickly. But with three weeks roughly left in the season with only – Three real real matchups against teams in the NL Central being the Reds, Brewers, who come this week, and then they finish up 
the NL Central matchups with a four-game set at Pittsburgh before facing the White Sox to wrap up this season. Um, the chances to play the NL Central now are, are, are slimming down. You have to do well against this Reds team, put them away. You have to play well against this Brewers team, put them away. Because you couldn't. You, the Cubs failed to do that against the Cardinals once again. So things have to tighten up, but I, I think as, as struggling and difficult as it has been to watch this offense, there are still positives coming from this. Obviously, Ian Happ is still very, very good. Jason Hayward, while obviously having to leave Sunday's game, has um, still been one of the best hitters in baseball this year, and probably the Cubs' second or third best hitter on this team. Those guys are still hitting. Ian Happ is still producing. You add in just one Javier Baez or a Chris Bryant or even Anthony Rizzo or Wilson Contreras or even, let's say, Ian Happ kicks it to another level and just starts crushing baseballs more than he has already. Um, That's all the Cubs really need to ride that wave, win maybe five to ten. Not five. You need probably ten wins. (laughs) Ten more wins to really solidify yourself in this postseason spot and to hold on to that NL Central lead. Uh, it's easy to look at a lot of the negatives here, but the, the realistic situation is there isn't a lot of other teams separating themselves from the Cubs either. A lot of teams are running into issues as well, too. It's been a lot of hot and cold streaks for a lot of these teams outside of the Dodgers, who are just, <laughs> I think, head and shoulders the best team in baseball right now. The Tampa Bay Rays have been really hot recently, um, as well as they've put themselves in a pretty big lead over the Yankees, who looked like the best team in baseball just a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, be, beyond that, I mean, the, the Braves... Same record as the Cubs, 24-17. and 17. Obviously, Cubs 24-18 and 18 have played one more game than the Braves, but essentially the same. A two-game lead over Philly, who's been really good. You look at what the Padres and Giants are doing. Padres 26-17, and 17, Giants 21-21. and 21. They're in the postseason picture. You, you, it, it, the, it, <laughs> the results obviously aren't what you want, but you look around the rest of baseball, and the Cubs are still in a really good spot. They've, they've done the work that they needed to at the beginning of the season to really kind of be able to allow themselves these shortcomings because we knew we, we, we knew there was regression coming. We knew there was no way this this uh, this rotation continued to be the best in baseball. We knew there were there were obvious holes in this game, and we've seen them come to the fruition. We knew it was going to be an issue that Craig Kimbrell couldn't lock down that ninth spot. We're seeing some of that now with the Cubs kind of having to rotate their bullpen and, and change the configuration of it from day to day. We knew 2020 was going to be a massive impact to the season, especially if a team in their division or, God forbid, the Cubs had to miss games. The Cardinals are now that team, and we're seeing the Cubs have had to play quite a few doubleheaders against the Cardinals. And it's tough to do that, especially when you're facing a team and you have a 45-minute break in between to have some orange slices and a Gatorade before you're back out there playing baseball again, regardless of it being seven innings. So the Cubs have had to change their approach to how the season has gone. And and obviously, the results aren't there. We're still seeing a lot of the issues we expected to see from the Cubs these last couple of years. But the Cubs have benefited greatly from the short season because those mistakes have been minimized to just 60 games. And we've seen the Cubs play really good for the first 16 of them. And then the following 24 have not been so great. Obviously, 40 games into the season now. Uh, This isn't where we expected them to be necessarily, but they're still in first place. They've still got a talented roster that has a high ceiling, and all it takes is one hot week for the Cubs to get back into business and look like one of the best teams in baseball again, because that's all it's going to take. So you have to hope that's coming. Because um, if it doesn't, then you you seriously look at this offseason and say, all right, well, you know, this roster couldn't quite get it done. And 
Obviously, you don't judge decisions entirely off the 2020 season, but if you look at what 2020 provided, I think it highlighted some clear issues that the Cubs have known have been issues for this entire time. That being, they haven't developed any starting pitching, and their team is too entirely dependent on long balls and slugging. They don't have many contact hitters. And the guys they do have that are contact hitters aren't great at putting the ball in places where they turn into hits, i.e. Albert Amora. Even Nico Horner, to an extent, has struggled to do that quite a bit as well. So, shortened season, you don't want to make any knee-jerk reactions, but you have to take a look at this team and, and say, you know, hey, backs up against the wall, this team hasn't seemed to be able to execute when they've needed to. We saw that in 2019, we're seeing it now. So, it's a great litmus test, but I, I still think, obviously, while the Cubs have not looked great, this could be way worse than what it is right now. So we're going to take a look at Tuesday's matchup against the Reds, the final matchup with the Reds. Hit on a couple quick news bullets and then take a look at what this rotation might have for us going on the next few weeks with uh, Chatwood and Quintana still on the IL. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves by saying things like, I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Or getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you get $15 of your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnMLB. All right, back here in the second segment as we talked about Jose Quintana getting closer to returning. Should play catch later this week. Tyler Chatwood, uh, he, it doesn't sound too great for him to be perfectly honest, but both uh, Chatwood and Ross, or Chatwood and Quintana have made steps towards returning from the injury list. Ross said that um, both their treatments have gone well. They're going to give him a, a down day today, that being Chatwood. Oh, excuse me, Quintana. He said he gave him a down day on Monday, and everything goes great there. He's expected to throw again tomorrow, which was Tuesday. Uh, Ross said Sunday that Quintana was looking a lot cleaner, and the Cubs wanted to make sure all his soreness in his lap was gone before he began throwing again. That's great to see. Chatwood, though, I'm not quite certain he's going to come back this year. Uh, With just the issue he had, obviously the MRI showed that there wasn't any type of issue with his elbow uh it's still not a great sign to see especially with a guy with tommy john history um issues there it's not good so you hope chatwood can come back i think he could be asset in the bullpen i don't know if you want to put him in as a starter but you've also seen al camille's not pitch so great these last couple outings and we talked about it a little bit russell dorsey obviously mills didn't look as bad as he has in his last start um that he has in the past a couple starts against the reds and the tigers didn't look so great pitched a little bit better than the numbers showed, but uh, still kind of got hit. Still not a guy you really want as your third or fourth starter. John Lester, obviously, not looking great. Is you know uh, Patrick Moody said in his article after this weekend's game, saying that you know this week you probably could count the number of starts John Lester has in a Cubs uniform on one hand. That could be the case. 
It just doesn't quite have it. And John's ability to grind through these at-bats isn't quite ha- happening now, especially when he's giving up five, six, seven hits in, an, in a game, especially when you're talking about four, maybe five innings of work in a lot of these starts. That's not good. He's giving up back-to-back hits. Not a ton of hard contact necessarily, outside against the White Sox and Jose Abreu, but still a lot of hits coming in bunches, and that just can't happen. So you hope Quintana can come back. Chatwood being a, a, a factor in this would be huge, but with three weeks left into the season, you have to consider if Chatwood comes back, he's going to take some time to get back here in a moment. He, he might not be a guy you can really lean on. So maybe the Cubs can get this all settled <laughs> with a couple of games to go and let Chatwood maybe work through some issues in a, a meaningless series against the White Sox, but I just don't see that happening this year. The Cubs haven't done enough to <laughs> convince me they could they could they can earn that aspect of the season and get a time to rest before the postseason starts. I think they're going to be going at it till the end of the day. Jason Hayward left Sunday's game, was hospitalized after feeling lightheaded, shortness of breath. It sounds like he's okay, but he was out of the lineup Monday. Um, I'm not sure if he'll go through the COVID protocols. I would assume he is uh, with the symptoms he was showing, but we haven't heard that officially yet. Steven Souza Jr. was DFA'd in between the doubleheader games on Saturday. So after the first game, which showed him... It's probably the highlight of his Cubs tenure with the Cubs. He was using Jason Hayward's legs as a wheelbarrow to celebrate Anthony Rizzo's like walk-up music in the dugout. It was DFA shortly after this game. I don't think that has anything to do with it, but uh, it was funny. I'm sure you've seen the gifts now. If you haven't yet, just go look it up online. Um, I'm sure it's all over Twitter when it was happening. But Souza DFA'd, and the Cubs have then added, uh, obviously, Billy Hamilton, as we talked about at the top of the show, switch hitter, speedster obviously crushed the cubs when he was with the uh the reds for the better part of his career he spent a good amount of time with the royals and braves last season and then with the mets this year before the dfa had him friday so the cubs pick him up he's been for whatever reason a guy just absolutely crushes the cubs um in uh at wrigley who knows what exactly happens and then also it was made official that the cubs signed pedro strope he's sent to south bend they were releasing catcher jose leviton um, I think Duncan Robinson got added to the 60-man player pool, and then they also DFA'd Matt Dermody to make room for Billy Hamilton. So a lot of roster moves coming, but I'm not upset. I, I like I like Billy Hamilton, especially as a speed aspect guy, because uh, Cameron Mabin is, is a good player and, and, and should provide maybe a little bit more than Hamilton does, but in terms of speed, I mean, there's very few guys. He might be the fastest guy in baseball. Byron Buxton might have something to say about that. He beat, a, beat out an infield single for a walk-off this weekend, which was really cool. But Hamilton's got that excellent speed, a switch hitter. Obviously, there's a lot to like with that move, especially when you don't have to start him every day. But let's dive into this matchup with Cincinnati. Of course, it's their last matchup against the Reds this year. The Reds in their last 10 games, 4-6. and six. They're 5.5 back and in 4th place of the NL Central right now. Still kind of in the postseason mix a little bit, but a good series against the Cubs could could catapult them back into contention once again it's tyler malley going up against alec mills uh both these guys faced off against or no they didn't actually uh malley pitched the day before his last start against the cubs went six and two thirds two hits two runs two walks 11 strikeouts which is just ridiculous uh the highest he allowed he had struck out before that was six this season that 11 strikeouts is nuts and his most recent start against the Cardinals' his most recent start since facing the Cubs. Seven innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, two home runs. Well, two home runs against the Cubs, too, but 106 pitches. He was able to only throw 20 pitches, though, those final two two and two-thirds innings of work, though. So the Cubs got him to about, like, 
80, 70, like something really high, like close to the mid 80s by the fourth inning. And he was able to tough it out for two more innings and only get to 106 pitches. That can't happen. Ridiculous. But Alec Mills, on the other hand, his last start against Cincinnati, three hits, four earned runs, four uh, hits, excuse me, one walk, two strikeouts on just 56 pitches, allowed three home runs. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Located the, some of those pitches well, they just got driven out. And his start against Pittsburgh, five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, a home run allowed on 81 pitches. So longer, but still not great, allowing four runs against Pittsburgh. Uh, that that shouldn't have happened, but it did. And so the Cubs will have to figure that out. Mills on the season, 3-3 three and three with a 550 ERA. Tyler Malley, 1-1 one one with a 3.90 ERA, which is being helped a ton by that Cubs start. Uh, his load win on the season. I don't expect that to happen again. The Cubs should hopefully go after Malley here with guys like Javier Baez, who has a 9-13 OPS. Jose Martinez in 15 games and 11-38 OPS. Kyle Schwuber, 18 games, 12-30 OPS. Rizzo even 761, not terrible. Bryant, though, a guy who's historically hit well at Great American Ballpark, only 625 OPS. I bet you that changes. There's no way this Cubs offense continues, continues to not hit a Great American Ballpark. That's going to change. It has to change. Tyler Malley, 11 strikeouts last time they faced him. I see a regression game coming here, and hopefully the Cubs can get some momentum with that win. But Malley, as we saw, for whatever reason, can really throw the Cubs into fits, has not a ton of great pitches it doesn't throw necessarily super hard for whatever reason the Cubs just did not see him well and he tore them apart for 11 strikeouts I don't see that happening again I also don't see Alec Mills getting obliterated um, like he has in his last couple outings some long balls coming through I see him making some adjustments hopefully that changes allowed just one long ball against Pittsburgh in 81 inning 81 pitches and five innings of work Cubs bullpen needs a good start from Mills and hopefully he can maybe provide another one of those great starts we saw earlier on in the season that would be huge huge for this Cubs team right now but it's a big series every series is big from this point on you've got Cincinnati through this week Milwaukee on the weekend uh two game matchup against Cleveland starting next week two off days next week and then a weekend series with the Twins who are tough but in third place right now in their division Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh three games against the White Sox Got some easy matchups there with uh, four games against Pittsburgh, but everyone else are teams that could and, and probably should beat the Cubs right now playing a little bit better. So let's hope they can take these games against Cincinnati, beat up Milwaukee a little bit, enjoy these days off, maybe coast a little bit into that series, but something tells me that doesn't quite happen. So, <laughs> But that will do it here for today's episode of Lockdown Cubs. Remember to get this show every day. You need to subscribe on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app. Wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Make sure you check out the latest episode of Lockdown MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. You can listen to that by telling your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown MLB after this episode of Lockdown Cubs is over. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning in to your guys' daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully you enjoyed your long weekend. Hopefully you get to enjoy this short week. And as always, go Cubs.